Hello, you're listening to Just Screen It, Case Studies in Creative Distribution. I'm your host, Colin Stryker, and I am not an expert in indie film distribution. I am an independent filmmaker working towards making my first narrative feature a horror film entitled The Grove. Uh, As I've been contemplating my own eventual distribution strategy, I've come to the conclusion that we need more data, more transparency, more information about how the various distribution options that are out there have worked for people. So I decided to start this podcast to help capture some of the experiences of those who have already been through it, whether successful or otherwise, and from those experiences, help both listeners and myself better understand this really complex, crazy landscape of independent film distribution today. So each week, I'll be bringing on a filmmaker who has self-distributed or been personally involved in the distribution of their film. My hope is that future filmmakers can take the knowledge gleaned from the show and use it to make their own decisions on how to best distribute their films. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm talking with the highly prolific Omega Keys. Omega has built an amazing career for herself, self-financing and distributing nine features over the past decade and still going strong. In our conversation, Omega leads us through her distribution experiences, most of which have actually resulted in recouping her production costs, allowing for a sustainable pattern for film after film after film. Omega takes us through her strategic approach to promotion, her reactions to a rapidly changing industry, and some well-researched and informed decisions made along the way. This is another one of those conversations that I just love, where filmmakers are totally open and honest about their process and results. I know you all will take a lot away from this inspiring story. So without further ado, I give you my chat with Omega Keys. Okay, Omega, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Colin. How are you today? It was just before we started recording, it was like pouring rain outside. And I record this in an attic. So like I could hear like through just before I came on, I could hear the rain coming down on the roof and pounding down. So if it starts up again and listeners hear this weird like background noise, that's what that is. It's like raining hard in Portland right now. <laughs> so well, when is it not? in Portland? Yeah, Well, yeah, most of the time it's actually raining softly. That's the thing about okay. Portland. It doesn't rain hard all that often. It kind of rains softly, but boringly and drearily, you know, for days on end. Of course, last week we had an ice storm. That was fun. You know, but the hard rain actually doesn't happen all that often here. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) So yeah, welcome to the show. I I usually just start out by asking guests like kind of what their background is, how they got into filmmaking, their sort of origin story, just to give some, you know, some idea of where you're coming from. And then we'll get into talking about your distribution experiences. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Amiga Mimi Keys. My background actually is the military. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. uh, 16 years in the military. And by way of when I was transitioning out of there, my niece told me to apply. They were doing a casting for a TV show. And she was like, apply. I'm like, I don't want to be an actress. I never wanted to be an actor, but I was always, always a writer. And I wanted to see the other side of it. So I was like, well, if this is my way on the show, then fine. And, and I mean, we had this conversation at like one o'clock in the morning. So the fact that I applied in the middle of the night, I was very shocked when I woke up in the morning to see that they wanted me on set in an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's early starts. Yeah, the television show was actually the originals. It was the beginning of it. It was the very first season spinoff from the Vampire Diaries. I went on, I was supposed to be a background, which I immediately got bumped up to being a stand-in. And I ended up working on that show for three seasons, learning 
everything that I can behind nice. the camera for um for films. So I was already a writer, but I needed to learn the other side. So I learned everything there. You know, I got trained by the cameraman, anybody that wanted to show me anything. And you, and you know, you're on set for so long. Those people are happy to talk to you. So yeah, I learned from everything. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way. I mean, there's no better way to learn than just by being on a set and and asking as many questions as you can and just ex- experiencing the real thing. So how did you, how was the transition to behind the camera and and kind of what got you to making your first film? You know, it was funny because I have always been the person, like I put together old, telling my age, the old movie reels mm-hmm. back in the day. We had one in our house and I used to try to put, it was broken. I used to try to put it together to actually record my Star Wars action figures and stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, and I was the entertainment person for my family. Like I would put on skits. I would do every type of thing because up in Indiana, those winters were really bad. So I just want to enter, like I would put on whole shows and entertain my family that way. So it was easy for me to transition behind the camera. I just needed to know what to do. Like I've always had cameras. I just didn't know what to really do with them, but you know, the full mode of what these cameras can do. So once I learned, you know, I learned on those expensive cameras, how to work. So me moving to a Canon, that was easy. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I think you've made two features now. Is that, is that correct? Am I I counting correctly? Am I getting all of your information correct? Or is there more? I have. Technically, okay. I have nine. <laughs> Technically, you have nine. Okay. All right. So that's a that's a big difference there. Big gap in yeah, what I saw versus. I just showed you. You asked me. I just gave you the latest two. Okay. All right. You no, know, but I have some on Amazon and I have some on Tubi. But of course, you know, some of my earlier work, I kind of moved that off to the side, and I I left only five of them out there now because you know the quality has gotten better. So yeah, I yeah. Want people to like see that. I still have my web series out there, which I which I don't count, but. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry that I maybe didn't do as oh, thorough yeah. research uh, as, as I could have into you know what you what you've done. But okay. So so what was it like uh, kind of diving in for your f- first feature? Can you take us back to that? Because you know making any feature at any level is a hard thing to take on. So I'm just curious about like you know how how that was for you, how that experience was, and and you know about when was it? When did you make your first feature? I made my first feature in 2016 to that was the planning in 2015 right after my web series and Colin I'm just going to be frank I'm a black woman in this film industry so that role was really crazy it was a lot of who are you to make this film I don't believe you can do it a lot of you know even people like I was doing interviews to hire people and it was it it was literally so funny I remember hiring a DP (laughs) yeah and the guy showed up three hours late to say it, it was hilarious because he showed up when he came up, we were wrapping the location. Wow. He was like, uh, what's going on? I'm like, I already shot it. Let's go. Were you just shooting yourself then? Like when he didn't show up on time, you were just shooting yeah. yourself or yeah. I, right. I, I what else am I going to do? Yeah. Camera. It was my camera. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. My camera. So, you know, at that time I had a Canon Mark two yeah. and just when that's when they first came out with the Mark twos. Right. So, yeah. I just was like, I got it. And I went for it. And actually that helped me yeah. because first I wasn't going to be on camera at all. Mm-hmm. I was just going to strictly direct and not right. be on camera. But now I stay on camera. Yeah. I love being on camera. It gives me more control. Yeah. But it was a lot of doubt. It was a lot of, I had 
I fired him and, yeah. and got somebody else, of course, you know, to Good. TP. Yeah. But it was still like it was more people trying to go to my DP to see if he was OK with everything. And I had to sit there and tell him, guys, this is my film. Yeah. Totally. And be real strict about it. It's it's what I want. So it was very hard that first time because of that fight. But but you you live and you learn and you build up your team with who you can work with and everything like that. But it was more of a challenge being a woman. It was more of a challenge. And being a black woman, it was even more of a that pushback, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm used to it. Hey, I am army strong. I, I got I'm used to it. Look, you know, I, I eat men for lunch. So it's, you know, not to be <laughs> funny, but. If I'm I'm that type of person, tell me no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good good for you. I thrive off of that. (laughs) Yeah, and and, you know, and as a white man, I'm you know all I can do I can say I'm sorry or whatever. Like like it's sad that that in this day and age in 2024 we we are still talking about those kinds of barriers. And you know, I wish that weren't the case. There's no reason to be sorry. Just my thing is my asses just don't be like them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do my best. I do my yeah. best for Don't sure. Don't be like those people and you'll be yeah. awesome. You yeah. Know, you're well, off to a great start. Yeah. Well, good for you for, for diving in and getting, getting your, you know, just going straight into it. Did you try to, did you raise any financing for that first feature at all? Or did you kind of just self-finance? Like how did that work? If you can comment on that. I self-financed my first film. Okay. Even though I was out of the military, I actually had owned a book publishing company. Mm-hmm. So I had money from my book publish- publishing company and extra things. I drove Uber. I yeah. drove Uber to get anything that I needed extra to fund the film. Right. Can you comment on the budget at all? Oh, for my first film? Oh, I wasted a lot of money. It was $40,000. <laughs> it was yeah. forty, and I wasted, you know, so much money. Yeah. Well, you wasted maybe, but you learned, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely one of those. Definitely, yeah. 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 (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the story? Oh, the first, very first film is so funny because the first feature film that I did was Domestic Seduction, and I actually rewrote it into Keeping Secrets. So, if you watch Keeping Secrets, you're watching the improvement of Domestic Seduction. With you know the cop that has to go undercover at the strip club to catch a serial killer. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so and and so once you got the film done, like what what were you facing in terms of distribution? What did you you know how did how, what was your plan for getting the film it out was, there to audiences? It was so funny. It was easy for me because with my books, I already had the working relationship with Amazon. Okay. Great. I had with the book publishing company. I was very familiar with a- Amazon, so I just literally uploaded it. Mm-hmm. And this was right before. Amazon did a a big change where they started tearing you down. I think I, when you it's crazy how they did the tears. Like I was making so much money, and then it's like once you make a certain amount, they started throttling you back down. It was I, I went through that, and then of course the next year they went through the change of you know what indie films skip all of you, but I survived the cut. Yeah, like nice. I survived all these waves. So you know apparently the film was still good enough to get by that, even though I'm, you know, we're critical of ourselves as filmmakers. Yeah, we always think we for sure. better. So, you know, I survived that way, but the the marketing and the promoting and getting it out there to distribution, it was easy because I had already done it with books. With books, I was used to being going to book festivals, being in people, being in people's faces, doing things, promoting me and promoting all of my authors. I was already keen on social media. I was keen on running ads. I was keen on joining groups. So I just transitioned instead of in book groups, I'll move to film groups. Yeah. So did did you see results from that? Did the film do well? 
yeah, I made my money back on it. That's nice. And forty thousand dollars is not easy to make back. So yeah, I, yeah. I made it back in a year and a half wow. on that. Great. Which and I and I literally each film I just crank it into the next. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrific. So, and I, I imagine like, so for that first film, that's kind of back, I, you know, I think what you're describing is like back in the days of of Prime Video Direct, where you could upload and yes, Amazon actually paid you kind of a respectable per minute, yeah. uh, you know, whatever their formula yeah. was, you know, viewing fee, the fee for it, where you could actually make some money back. These days, it's yeah, was, quite I different. Yeah, I was averaging, when it, when it first came out, between 2,500 to 1,500 a week. Wow, wow. If you okay. average it out, yeah, because you can see your... You can see your stats and your sales immediately. So you knew where you were. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, you took that kind of that success and went right into your next film. I know you've got a lot of films, so, you know, we don't no, need to necessarily okay. talk about each one, but I like the sort of the beginning and the end, you know, the most, are, 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 you know, are the interesting parts. So, you know, so yeah, how, what was that like going into the next film? Did you try to raise more financing? Were you look, trying to look for a bigger budget? Like, what was your thinking on that? No, I already had what I needed. So like the yeah. most that I did was drove, I drove, I just continued my, my extra funding was driving Uber too. Because to, okay, right. everything that I made for Uber, I pushed it towards my film. Nice. And I remember one year I made $50,000 driving Uber. And, you know, like I said, I do work another job too. Right. So, but that money went to, to films just strictly right. for films and doing everything else. So I just segued into it and I made a, the next film that I did up off of that was just funny. I went in a completely opposite direction and I did a documentary. Oh, wow. Interesting. And the documentary was called From Jim to James Crow. Uh-huh. And it was <laughs> it was a time um my mom was a civil rights activist and that had always been into me. And it was kind of my me paying homage back to her to show, you know, how far we've come along and how far we haven't come along. Yeah. But just given given a history from the Revolutionary War current and today. But I, with that documentary, I did a lot of traveling. So it cost way more than a documentary that I did after that because I traveled I traveled to actual different states to interview people. Right. And so yeah. of course, money was spent, hotels and, you know, extra stuff that I, the next one I didn't have to do that on. Yeah. Okay. And so how did that, so was the budget about the same for that more or less it was a little less yeah it was a little less because it was documentary right for it but yeah it was like 25 for that but still like i said it was just burnt up yeah in places travel costs yeah, yeah for sure and all that right okay so how did that one do once you once you released that was that kind of the same thing you just kind of go to amazon with it and see how it does do a lot of promotion yeah, that's exactly yeah. what i did i went back to amazon with it um promoted it but what i didn't plan on with that because election year. No, oh, this is uh, 2016 or 2020? No, 2016. 2016, so, yeah. So okay. roll, doing a film called From Jim to James Crow, rolling into six, 2016, 2017. Yeah. It was, I got such backlash from, of course, people feeling like, how dare you make a film talking about racism that Ugh. you've experienced in your life and other people are telling their story. So I got hit with a lot of Amazon, a lot of that. I mean, and they will like, it's like once they find you, they go and get all of their friends. I got a lot, you know, the reviews, I got them removed, but it just got, it just got to be so exhausting. Yeah, that's awful. That I, that I kind of stopped kind of stop promoting for a while because it, it can mm. wear on you. It can really, oh, sure. really wear on you. And then also with that film, like I interviewed my parents. Mm -hmm. So in the process of that, I found out, you know, you think you know 
stuff that you read about, but that's the first time I actually heard some of these stories from my parents and I had it on camera mm -hmm. and then I had to edit it. So that was heavy. And then the backlash from it became heavy. So I kind of, I kind of stepped away, you know, when it hit, I, I honestly, those reviews, it kind of got me out of it. So I was like, let me just focus on the next, <laughs> then let's move on to the next film. And it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, that makes sense. Did you, and, and I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, it's so terrible to hear that you had such a bad experience with that. You know, it's, it's a reflection of the political situation in this country and not to get too it's political, life. but you know, yeah, it's you know, life, unfortunately. yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, again, good for you for kind of picking up the pieces and going on to the next film. Did that documentary end up making its money back or not so much? How did that Let do? Me it wasn't until, okay, so after that, I did a, a trilogy, which was called Shatter. It was a three-part thriller with three different stories in it. And then I said, let me go back and let me revisit from Jim to James Crow. So I made another documentary and it was called Survive in America. And I was prepared for the madness. And yeah. because when I did that film, it made people go back and watch from Jim to James Crow. So that's when I made my money back. Oh, off. wow. I put the other documentary right there. And Survive in America is still making money. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's super it's, cool. It's schools, colleges have shown it. I've talked to schools, you know, high schools that have shown it. I've talked, spoken to classes. I do yeah. a lot of talking about that film because it's a historical film. So yeah. Yeah. I have a great time with that when I make a lot of, you know, yeah, I make my, it consistently every month I'm making money off of that one just because of the type of film it is. And of course we're rolling into black history month. It's big mm -hmm. again. We just had Martin, the Martin Luther King day. So it, it jumped back up really big. You know, it's those, time frames that it hits really big. Yeah. And that's great. And yeah. Yeah. And it and it's admittedly something that on this podcast I haven't talked to too many filmmakers who are doing kind of social impact films, social impact documentaries. A few a few here and there, but a lot of it is, you know, genre films and, you know, things like yeah. that. It that just kind of tends to be what a lot of the sort of lower budget filmmakers that I talk to are doing. But it's great to hear about you know the success of a social impact documentary like that and and i think that from a distribution perspective there are so many kind of unique opportunities associated with putting out a film like that that are not available you know to more traditional narrative films or genre films that kind of thing so you know being able to go to schools and you know take take advantage of black history month things like that you know yeah <laughs> th those are all like yeah and so you know the, i think the documentary the social issue documentary route is Definitely something worth considering for filmmakers if that's what they're, you know, if that's what they want to do, because it has so many opportunities for, you know, collecting. Not that it's all about money, of course. Yeah, but you need money to make money to make the films. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> it's just a, it's a good way to make a film, get some money for it. You have some unique opportunities. And so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you had a, a great experience with that. Let's talk about that a little bit more if you don't mind. Uh, so so with the with the second documentary. Did you finish that? And then because because I know you said that you've talked to a lot of schools and that kind of thing. So did you deliberately go about as part of your sort of marketing plan, contacting schools? Did you do a lot of research, a lot of outreach or did that come back to you? No, they found me. Interesting. They all, okay. they all found me because I, I did do a lot of interviews and things like that. And people just they found me and they reached out to me. Wow. Okay. That's great. So, so 
that you just had kind of opportunities coming at you. So when you say reached out to you, they're inviting you to come talk at their school, show the film, talk at schools or you yeah, know, other I mean, a lot of programs. it was you know, Zoom, like what we're doing now. And I talked yeah. to the class and they asked okay. questions about that. Yeah, it's Zoom, but it's just still the same concept. Right. You know, Zoom interview, talk to people. But I mean, it's it's just, you know, amazing because yeah. when that came out, you know, COVID hit. So everything yep. Yep. remote during that yep. time, but it was still great. Teachers were still looking for stuff. The other great thing about this film is if anything happens, if if there is any type of racial or social justice incident out there, I immediately, because I do speak out about those issues. So mm-hmm. when I speak out online, I immediately be like, because in my films, um, Survive in America, we talk about this because Roland Martin, I just brought it up again because Roland Martin just talked about how, you know, Tubi is owned by Fox News. He made a big thing about that. And mm-hmm. so I went back and tied it into Survive in America mm-hmm. and it got traction all over again. Yeah. Um, wow. Just just from that. But it's like one of those things that I, I was like, yeah, Fox News owns it. But who also doesn't own a lot of the other networks? They're not black owned either. And our films are out there. So. Right. You know, you're when, when you say, oh, Fox News owns that you're taking away from filmmakers who need that to, you know, it's an avenue for us to have our films. And right now it's the best avenue for us. So I use it in sort of that segue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that that's great, and that makes sense. Although I, I definitely have heard grumblings very recently about Tubi because they've decided to start producing their own com- content. They've decided to be a more selective about content that they'll show, you know, things like that. And so there's, you know, some people are starting to grumble about that and be concerned that you know this, and and that's how it always goes. I think it always. This, if you, I'm, yeah. I'm like this. If you're a filmmaker like myself and you survived Amazon, you will survive Tubi. Yeah. Right. If you, yeah. You can bring yourself together, you know, get it together. And, you know, and the goal is to always grow. Even if you can't have a bigger budget, your skills should always enhance. Absolutely. And, you know, that's where you go with it. So, yeah, yep. <laughs> those are great words. And, you know, and I think that like every time something new comes along that presents a new opportunity for independent filmmakers like to be you know, there's sort of a, there's a, there's a, uh, and, and like, you know, prime video direct, you know, there's a, a period where everybody kind of benefits from it, you know, or at least those who are kind of, you know, their films are timed right to take advantage of that or whatever it is, or they see the writing on the wall before everybody jumps on the bandwagon or something. But, you know, there's a sort of a period of success and of uh, people enjoying the bounty. And then, something happens and it dries up either like, you know, like the big studios kind of get their fingers in it and mess it up or something, you know, something always happens <laughs> or, you know, Amazon decides that they're not going to pay filmmakers so much. And something always happens. And then the next thing comes along, you know, there's a kind of a transitional period where filmmakers have to figure out what to do next. And if you're one of those filmmakers that can kind of figure out what to do next before others do, <laughs> you can kind of jump on the next big thing before it dries up, you know, and, yeah. and find a way to, you know, make some money that way. So, I'm just one of those people. I pay attention and I'm always looking for what's next. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's, I think we're in that period right now where we're kind of trying to figure out what's next, what's next for indie filmmakers and how are are we going to find a way to get these films out there and get them to try to make a little bit of money back that we're putting into them. And I I don't know the answer. What do you think? Do you have any, you have any wisdom you want to share on that? I mean, well, if you're, if you distribute through Film Hub, you know that there are other streamers out there. There's Plex. There's Cluster TV, there's Reveal. And right now, those they're building those up. So yeah. I think one of those will be the next to take over when everybody gets pushed out, you know, from over here or it goes too low. I think one of those will step up 
yeah. people will be more comfortable with those websites after that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like, you know, these uh, streaming sites like that, they have a certain amount of momentum that they need to get. I think that, you know, they sort of need to get a certain amount of grassroots attention and then they mm -hmm. kind of start growing a little bit more exponentially and some more filmmakers can jump on. And so it's a matter of kind of tracking those and keeping an eye on, you know, what direction they're going in and being ready to jump you know, when you can, if you've got a film that you can, you can put on there. So yeah, we'll see how things go. I think the next year or two are going to be very interesting. So get on it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So taking a step back to, you know, kind of the, the first documentary, and then I think you talked about how you did a trilogy when you said that, did you mean a trilogy of features? Was it like three different features or no, it was a feature with three films, three, three, gotcha. three, three 40 minute films each in there? Right. Okay. So yeah, you're kind of you're kind of bouncing back and forth between the world of of kind of feature films and I think kind of thriller feature films it sounds like and documentaries, which is interesting. So let's talk about the the trilogy then. How did that do? How did you know was again was there was there an effort to try to raise a higher budget or were you kind of just staying with that same model of like you know, taking I, the money I from I the previous staying, film? Yeah. I was staying with that um that same model and the reason yeah. I did the trilogy because I knew what I was moving into next and yeah. I needed to, you know, it, it was more of a segue for me to enhance my skills mm -hmm. after when it was like, okay, get ready for even more. And I was like, well, what better way can I get ready to do it? Oh, let me do three different films. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So, and, but I'm also a fan of Alfred Hitchcock and things like that. So it's kind of yeah. like my tribute to him. You know, I, I love that genre. So yeah, it was one of those type of things. And and it was, it was fun to do. Yeah. Was there sort of a common theme to them or like, was it kind of like an anthology where there's sort of a rapper story, anything like that? Or was it just the yeah, three? Yeah, it was. A, no, 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 no. It was absolutely an anthology. And I had the, you know, the under the underlying theme with that was, you know, women like we're we're taught to be, you know, so strong. But what happens when you're so strong and you snap <laughs> oh yeah interesting okay it was, it was that that was the underlying thing for all of them that's great yeah i think that's you know that's a great way to go about it too is is having with three different films you can kind of explore three different aspects of that without having to be kind of tied down to one film and kind of getting an arc that goes over the whole film you can kind of explore it from different angles I haven't seen it, but it sounds like maybe that's kind of the the, the way you went about it. Would that be accurate? Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly how I went about it. Yeah, yeah. And cool. I even for the for the anthology, I like I use the same actors as different characters throughout. Uh huh. Okay. Oh wow. Okay, that's interesting too. So when that came out, what 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 kind of distribution experiences did you have with that? It went to Amazon, but that's when Amazon decided to completely gut us on pay. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It's so crazy because. The views were way more than domestic seduction. It completely mm -hmm. viewer viewer wise. If I compare the numbers, I have been rich. Mm. But Amazon they gutted us so much. Like I made my money back, but it was it was a gut punch because yeah. you know where you should have been, and so it it was really it was it was really really a gut punch. And at that moment, I I'm you know before. Tubi was a thing. It just it was kind of like, so am I just gonna go to YouTube or mm. you know, it, it like I said, it was a real <laughs> I, I can imagine. And and this is a probably I'm guessing is this around 2018, 19, 20, something like that. Yeah. yeah that was for Shattered, that was 
2018 exactly. 2018, and so, yeah. And okay. so that's why I that's why I kind of dialed back and said, let me do a documentary. I only spent five thousand five thousand dollars on on surviving America. Oh, interesting. Okay, wow. That... And of course, made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's like you know, the theme here is that you kind of keep keep reacting to what's going on in kind of a good way. I think you kind of keep pivoting yeah. and adjusting to you know the market realities and that kind of thing and. You know, although you said you made on, on that anthology, you said you made your money back. Yeah, but it's still it's when you when you look at the numbers of where, you know, I had the numbers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're comparing, it's it still got to me. Right. It's right. Like, oh, oh, totally. And, you know, just making making just enough. Sometimes I was like, by that time, I thought I would have been more making more than just yeah. enough. But technically, the number said yes. Yeah. But the pay said <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I certainly didn't didn't mean to diminish the gut punch aspect of it by by any stretch in saying that. <laughs> no, you just, didn't, but yeah. just observing that that it's at least now you know have you know five years six years later like it's pretty well acknowledged that it's extraordinarily difficult to make your money back on movies. Most filmmakers don't, you yeah. know. So 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 when Amazon took that nosedive, you still were able to make the money back. You really must have gotten a lot of views to be able to do that. And that's great. You know, that's terrific. But of course, yes, filmmakers always want to they don't want to just make their money back. They want to make a little bit of extra, too, you know, especially yeah, if they feel wanted, like they know, deserve it. You know, and I wanted you, more than what I made back. And yeah. So you have this kind of like gut punch with with Amazon not making as much money as you should have on that movie. And then you pivoted to a documentary, didn't spend nearly as much money at that. And then that turned into a success. And in fact, interestingly, was a success for an earlier documentary, which is, you know, which is great. You know, I think that that's like showing, you know, sort of a, a, a you're building a body of work and that body of work, you know, can feed off of each other. You know, newer films that do well can help older films do better, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's something that is great for filmmakers to strive for, you know, not just to think about every movie as like the big thing that's going to get them discovered and, you know, they're going to blow up and become, you know, whatever, but just building a body of work that continues to feed and build a fan base and that kind of thing, it, you know, as long as you can kind of sustain it, I think is a great model to go by. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did. Yeah. And that was me testing the waters with Tubi too. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. That, talk that documentary, Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what Tubi was going to, you know, at that time when I came back with that documentary, I had no idea what Tubi was going to do, how yeah. it was going to, you know, whatever, instead of self-distributing, I decided to go through Andy Wrights at that time. Mm -hmm. And it just, was, you know, and it just was the perfect pairing for surviving America. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, I, I actually don't really know because um, I was not really in the filmmaking scene back then around, you know, 2018, 19, 20. Certainly. Not, I mean, I was it's always been on my radar, but I wasn't thinking about distribution all that much. So when when did Tubi kind of start out? Like when when did when was it in that period of like, what is this new thing and is this going to work? And I, I did Survive in America in 2020. So at the end yeah. of 2020 is when it hit to be like the very it was december of 2020 when it hit to be so i okay. was just then. i mean i know it had been around for a couple of years before that but then like that's when it really started doing big things for um filmmakers okay and then did you go directly to Tubi, or was that through film hub because film hub was around back no, then right i used I used indie rights indie rights okay yes for surviving america i used indie rights and then okay 
I used them for my next film after that, which was a romance because I <laughs> I needed a palate cleanse. After Surviving <laughs> America, I needed a palate cleanse. So I did <laughs> faded I did faded reunion, which was a comedy you know comedy drama. Right. I needed right. to get out of that. I needed to get out of you know talking about. You know, we had the new civil rights movement, which was, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that was going on. I needed to cleanse like yeah. it was so much and so heavy. So I was like, you know what? This romance, romantic comedy drama is a great way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. That's awesome. And again, like I'm just I'm just seeing you like constantly reacting and pivoting and not getting locked down to one thing yep. and kind of exploring <laughs> and uh, it just I think that's so great to be able to do that. So, and yeah, you know, 2020 around that time frame very definitely very interesting, turbulent, crazy times. So, and indie rights, like how so how talk about indie rights. How did you was that your first film with with indie rights? Yes. Um, Surviving America was my first film with them. And then I went back to them for Faded Reunion. They're great. Like Linda, Linda is the person that I had the most contact with, Linda Nielsen. Mm-hmm. They're great. They, they communicate everything. They're really nice. You know, they put, they give you so much information, you know, your sales numbers, you know, everything. They're, they're honestly great to work with them. The only reason that I didn't continue with them after Faded Reunion was just because of their payout cycle and I can't see my numbers weekly. Mm. With Film Hub, I can react and change up my marketing instantly. Mm. I know what's working and I know it's not come every Wednesday. I know. Wow. This is, okay. This is what's gonna happen. And like that's the only reason. Yeah. Because I can I can quickly adjust. Yeah. If not for that, I would have continued with indie rights. Yeah. So I love them and I still support them. You know. Okay. That's great. That's that's really interesting. And I think that's something that my listeners will will get a lot out of is is kind of talking about those two different experiences and kind of the pros and cons of each. So if you don't mind, let's go back to, to indie rights first. And like, did you find them before you made the documentary? I'm sorry, I'm uh, the blanking on the title. No, Surviving America. Surviving America. Thank you. I so found you... them after I filmed and I was looking for a distributor. I, of course, I, I did my research and I found out, you know, the top distributions and aggr- aggregators. And mm-hmm. I went down the list. Indie rights was high on it. I went through all the reviews and the complaints. All I mean, I dug through online wow, to see what nice. people were saying, you know, about them compared to other places. And oh my God, was a distributor at the time was they were going defunct. Yeah. And so it caused a lot of chaos in the industry. So I definitely wasn't, you know, going that way. Yeah. I had made the choice to go with them. I was going to go with BitMax, but, you know, paying all that money up front, I was like, yeah, I got it. But do I want to spend it? Let me just, I mean, you know, it was that that kind of thing, you know, indie rights. Like I said, indie rights was ranked like number two. Yeah. Yeah. So I went with them and and it was right. You know, and everything that I saw online was true. And it's still true to this day because I still those films. I didn't pull, you know, when my contract ended, I didn't pull my films away. I renewed with them with those films because I love how they function. I still want to just because I love the way that they function and they operate, you know, now, you know, those quarterly checks, it's okay now after a while. And, and I also know when I push my newer films, it pushes those too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier, for sure. Did you, so with Indie Rights, did you 
would you describe them as as more of a distributor or more of an aggregator or is it kind oh, of somewhere in the middle no 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 no. they're absolutely a distributor they're a distributor so so they, you they get selected look. by them i guess what i'm getting yes at. yes you have to get okay. selected by them i mean of course right. back in the day they were more open but they they've closed ranks yeah they they curate their films before they send them out mm-hmm. so they're 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 no they know that their films when they're submitting their films to certain places, they know what films are going to get accepted automatically because right. they curated them. But no, they go, you know, they go to AF Film and they go to other places and they shop their films. Like, yeah, I know when they went to AFM one time, I was shocked that I seen like my film. They had they were showing like this book that they put together of their filmmakers. I remember when they were flipping through and Surviving America was front and center up in there. Nice. Nice. I was like, you know, kind of shocked that, yeah, that was really, really nice. You know, yeah. to see you do things like that. They promote, you know, their films, the films on their pages. They do. They give you a, a market things to do for marketing. They they give you the tools that you need to be successful. All you have to do is follow. Mm-hmm. They give that to their filmmakers. They have, a, you know, they have a film group. They had a film group before Film Hub and everybody else had a film group. Yeah. When you say film yeah, group. But- can you can you say what you mean by that? On social media, they have a film okay. group for there specifically for their film. It's only for their filmmakers. Nobody else can get in there. But right. they had film group years before anybody else started doing it. I see. OK, so it's like a little community of filmmakers that have their mm-hmm. films with indie rights. So you communicate with them. And, and I love that because just to echo what you've said, what I've heard of indie rights is that they're they're very transparent. They give you their, their, their they give you the numbers. Yep. And that's a complaint that a lot of filmmakers have about other distributors. It's really hard to get the numbers. It's really hard to get the checks on a regular basis, all that, that kind of thing. And Indie Rights yeah. has a sterling reputation for being yeah, able to do that. They are very, very transparent. I get more yeah. information when those when their reports come out. You get more information from them than you do from Film Hub. Yeah. You can see the impressions. The impressions are the ads. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know how many you're getting, you can calculate almost how much you'll make per film, you know, from seeing that you can get the calculations for like, oh, okay, well, how approximately, how many views did my film make? If you know, if you start doing the math, you'll know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And and so, yeah, I was going to say just with the film group, like being able to create that sense of community and that sense where filmmakers can talk to each other. I mean, that's an invitation yes. for transparency as well. Like you don't, yeah. you know, some distributors, I think they don't want their filmmakers talking to each other because they don't want other filmmakers figuring out how they've done with that distributor or whatever. No. But when you encourage conversation about that, I think that that helps with the community and it helps you be a, a more reputable distributor and a distributor that hopefully, you know, hopefully that translates into more people watching those films, you know. And they and they encourage us to watch each other's films, support. Wow. Each other. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So can you comment at all? I know some of this may be entering into information that has to remain confidential, but can you comment at all on what your deal with Indie Rights actually looks like? I mean, it's a great deal, the the 2080. Yeah. Okay. And that's basically however you want to say it. Yeah. Right. And that's basically what it comes down to. And I think that's what other filmmakers say too. So it's not so much more from yeah. yeah. Do you feel like they they actually put and I know you said a little bit of this, but just to continue to drill on it a little bit more, like do they put real marketing and promotional effort into putting your films out there, which yeah. I know a lot of distributors don't really do. You get your film with them no, and they put they, them on a shelf actually, and that's it. Do. So No, yeah. they actually promote. You can literally see it on their pages. They're actively yeah. promoting, they're actively pushing your films. Right. Right. Even, even at one point, I think they have 
lost access to, you know, somebody hacked them and they lost access, they immediately started a new page and sent out an email and let us all know, like, come here. But And then when they got their page back, hey, guys, come back over here. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Now they're, no, they're very good. Like I said, they they send out information. They, they do a newsletter for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So it is, you know, moving away from them and towards Film Hub for the film that you made after that does sound like a very interesting decision and, and probably not an easy decision to make because it sounds like no, you were getting. Wasn't. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what were the pros and cons of leaving indie rights for Film Hub for your next film? The the pros were seeing that dashboard where I can see yeah. myself daily and like I could like I said, I could pivot my marketing instantly. So that was the pro. I didn't have to wait six months to know how I did. Okay. That was that was the biggest. So it helped me with my sales. It helped me with my marketing. Mm-hmm. So that that was the pro, you know, okay. right there. But I took a lot of what I learned from indie rights and applied it I see. to nice. my film hub you know, venture. Right. It, it was easy because I was, I had already implemented all of those things. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I, yeah. So it kind of sounds like, you know, I, you first, I had no problem doing it. Right. You first went with indie rights, kind of, kind of relying on, on their skill set to be able to promote your film a little bit in ways that you might not have been able to, or known how to do, but then you learned from that and then kind of pivoted to film hub in order to kind of take things into your own, own hands a little bit more being able to control things yourself because that, you know, ultimately you'd kind of maybe learned enough to be able to feel confidence to do that. Would that be a fair characterization, you think? That'd be a very fair characterization. And like uh, one thing I forgot to mention, I did used to be a recruiter yeah. in, the, uh, uh-huh. in the army. So, yeah. I, uh, you know, I use some of those tools that I learned from there. I use the tools that I learned from promoting as a book publisher uh-huh. and Author, all of those, and and the extra from indie rights that was just like the icing. I had the cake, but they were yeah. the icing. Nice, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so what? So talk about Film Hub then. Like, what has your experience been like with Film Hub? And are you still using Film Hub on your latest films? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have keep it keeping secrets is with Film Hubs, which was the next film that came out. You know, my thriller. Yeah, my, yep. my horror slash thriller. Yeah, that was with them, and then my most recent fractured. It's a psychological thriller. It is both of them right now. Fractured is still on. It's on Amazon. But because it went to Amazon, I know what it reached to be. Right. And, you know, like I said, it, we're just going through the transitions of Tubi. You know, Tubi is not just holding up for Film Hub. It's holding up for other, for other distributors and aggregators. And they're just they're actually probably watching the films now to make sure it's something that they want us to just drop it on there. So, you know, just being in that. That little mix. And I also I ended up doing Keeping Secrets, the director's cut, because when I first did Keeping Secrets, I was overly ambitious and I made the film two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. I know. Then no, I it's went, OK. Sorry, I didn't was, even, like just great. immediately no, no. react to no. that. But yeah, that's a long movie for. Yeah. No, that's yeah. <laughs> it's it's absolutely for an indie film. It is a long movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, but it still did. It's still it's still doing well because, you know, the sales from. The sales from Film Hub dropped today. I still made $1,500 this week on a film that's been out over a year. So, hey, nice. wow. you know, just in a week. So, like I said, it's still it's still doing. But I decided to go ahead and do the director's cut and keep it in that 90 minute threshold. Great. So we'll see how that will do. It just got it just got licensed by Tubi. So hopefully this Friday or next Friday to drop on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Hopefully 
fingers crossed. Yeah, and we'll, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll see. see how and we'll see how that does. But like I said, keeping secrets, even though I have three films with them, keeping secrets right now is the one that's pushing and cranking. And like I said, that experience is pretty easy to me. Like I already it to get with indie rights, passing quality control. There's mm-hmm. a lot, if you, you know, there's a lot to do. Yeah. I always, I always pass on the first round because I am so anal. <laughs> I'm very, <laughs> you know, attention to detail. I triple and double check things, but I also do things right when I'm filming right. to make it easier once I get to editing and making sure all the metadata is correct to pass along. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Okay. So, so you've got fractured and I'm sorry, the other one. Keeping secrets. Keeping secrets. I'm sorry, I can't retain the names. It's okay. I'm rattling off some names. Look, the, you came, you came here prepared for me to have two or three films, and then I yeah. said, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I will say, I, I did watch Fractured last night, so I have seen at least one of your films. So enjoyed it. Thank you. About it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, because that's the most recent and the most. I'm so excited about that one. Oh, that's that's super cool. So so with Film Hub, you know. It's interesting because one you said that you you pivoted from indie rights to Film Hub, kind of I think partly because you wanted to kind of be able to control things a little bit better. Yeah. But I have heard I have heard a lot of filmmakers kind of complain about Film Hub that they actually don't get very much control, like they don't know when things are going to get get put on various streaming platforms. It takes months sometimes. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because they they literally tell you when something is licensed. Huh. Okay. No distributor. Unless you unless you have the big the deep pockets on these films, no distributor knows when your film is going to land on these streamers. It's up to the right. streamers control that the, the distributors on the indie side do not control that. They're at their whim. At least at least with Film Hub, you have your dashboard and it tells you this is licensed by this. Yeah. So you know to start looking out for your film on that streamer. Okay. Okay. Within, and they tell you it could take one week or up to twelve weeks. Right. So okay. if you're if you're not reading the information that they put out there, that's on you. But the information yeah. is all out there. If you're have if you're having a bad experience with Film Hub, that's because you did not do your due diligence and read all the fine print. Okay. That's that's interesting. I you know, I'm neutral in the in the discussion. I haven't released <laughs> my own film for a long time. You know, things that's have changed so, so much since then that I haven't really but the information so I'm just an, an observer and I've yeah. you know, read the Facebook groups and things like that and I'm just you know, I'm trying to just just digest all that information and 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 I just know that there's you know, there's buzz about Film Hub and and complaints about it here and there. So, it's interesting people, to hear your perspective I see on people it. People complain that their films aren't passing quality control and then they yeah. do a screen they do a screenshot and I can look at the screenshot and tell them exactly what they did wrong. But, you know, (laughs) I I reserve my comments when I'm like, did you not see that it's telling you? (laughs) But people are different and I understand people are in different countries. So, you know, it's it's harder to understand. You know, some things don't translate very well. So I get that as well. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things. But as far as I can say with Film Hub, they have been they've made changes and they let us know that they were making these changes before they made the changes. They sent us emails. They put notices on their website. It's just a lot of people just don't want to be bothered to read. Mm, Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of information. It is. But once you read it and comprehend it, that's, you know, that's all. Well, it sounds people that that put out that Tubi was making changes. They were the first. Yeah. And yeah. everybody keeps sharing the notice that they put out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was going to say that I think just like a lot of filmmakers, I mean, it sounds like as a filmmaker, you've done a really great job of 
following the process through of not just making the film, but putting it out there, keeping close tabs on the process of putting it out there, promoting it, marketing it, keeping an eye on numbers, all that stuff. And I think, you know, some filmmakers just, it's hard for them to do that. They just want to make the films and move on. So they, they kind of maybe think, and I'm, I'm just speculating here, but they kind of maybe think, okay, I put my film on film hub and now I can go make my next film. And that's, you know, they don't, they don't really think you're about all of starting. the work that, yeah, you're just getting yeah, started. Starting. Right. But I knew that from being a book publisher. Yeah. 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 That, you know, I was, I was very adamant with, you know, my authors, you know, because I was an author myself too. Yeah. Writing this book, you're going to have to push this book or you're not going to have sales. Right. And if you're not going to push your book, I'm going to drop you from the company because I can't be the only one promoting you. Yeah. And if I'm going to be promoting you, I'm going to take a bigger cut because now we're into another realm of me not just being your promoter. I'm your PR and I'm marketing for you. Yeah. So, you know, you have to look at those those things like when you're pushing and doing. But I've gotten I have gotten really good at promoting on social media. I go where the where the people are. There's a lot of Tubi groups out there. There are a lot of people that are filmmakers that will also help push your films. Like I use Brave Films. Mm-hmm. They have they have a lot of films out there. I use them to help market my, you know, I'll I'll pay them, you know, I market, but I, I you know, you find the people that are doing numbers. Yeah. And I know their numbers aren't alive because I can see the one thing Indie Rights does, you see everybody up under their company's numbers. Yeah. Their films are through Indie Rights. So yeah. I know the numbers that they're turning. Yeah. So I know for a fact that they are true to what they say because they're doing it for themselves. And my films are doing numbers because of them. Like I tested them. I tested them out back in August for keeping secrets. Yeah. Last August, I did a test run with them. Like my film. Keeping Secrets had hit a little lull where my mm-hmm. sales had slumped. Break Films had a promo. I was like, okay, well, let me try this. Yeah. With- can I, I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt for a second? Because I'm actually, oh, I don't sure. actually know what Brave Films is. Oh, maybe I'm they're, displaying they're, my they're own ignorance, films. but I'm still learning films. like everybody else. They yeah. post, they post in the distri- distribution group, but yeah. they're also, they're also filmmakers. They make, they're indie filmmakers. They start, they make their own films, but they mm-hmm. also market other films. Okay. Other indie films. Okay. So do you pay because, them a fee to to market? Yeah, your film? but it's not okay. a lot. Two hundred and fifty dollars is not right. a lot. Gotcha. It's, okay. it's not a lot. In in the scope of things, it's not a lot. They have a major Tubi group. You don't have to pay them for this, but they right. have a major film group. They have the number one film group, Tubi film group out there. Yeah. Use the group to promote your the viewers are there. Gotcha. Okay. Promote, you know, but you can't just jump up in that group and and say, "Oh, watch my film." You gotta be social, right? You gotta right. network. Yeah, they yeah. gotta post on other things. So when you drop a film in there, like, "Hey, new on Tubi," you know, they kind of recognize you, your name or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But even that, even if you say it's a new film, they love the group. It's called Best New Tubi Films. Mm-hmm. So if you say, "Hey, this is new film on Tubi," and just leave it at that, they're gonna eat it up. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. But if you go into, you know, long paragraphs and stuff like that, they're going to blow you off to the side. Yeah. 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 You have to pay attention to what posts do well and mimic those for yourself. But it it takes work. But once you get the formula down, it's it's great. And then with Brave Films, they post they have a they have a bunch of pages. Mm -hmm. They're a family. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of pages. And they, sh- you pay them and they share your post, your post a few times on their page, you know, through their family. Mm-hmm. And one, one post by them, I had 3,500 something shares. Mm. 
of that post. Wow. Those sales jumped up. You know, like I said, they slumped and I had a week and it was a twenty five hundred dollar week. Yeah. Just from that one post. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah, it yeah. brought it yeah. right. It revived it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I literally for keeping secrets for the past few weeks, you know, I started posting my old film keeping secrets back in the group. And like I said, I'm still having great weeks. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. So we haven't really uh, talked too much about specific numbers on your most recent films. Feel free to comment or not comment as you see fit. But it sounds like you've continued through all of your films to just you've continued to be pretty successful at making money. Have have you made your money back on your most recent films or is that still in progress? Like how it's still in progress. I spent I spent a lot more money on keeping secrets because, you know, of the locations Mm -hmm. on there. So I'm still making it. But it but it's coming. It's it's definitely there. It's definitely coming because that that budget was seventy five thousand. Okay, but. You know, I'm not counting all the work that I do. I write, I direct, I produce. Yeah. So my numbers aren't, if I, if I included me, it'd be well over a hundred thousand, but I don't. Yeah. But with Fractured, that was just relief. Rele- that was just released. And it's only on Amazon right now. Yeah. It's on, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, you, you're paying for the rentals, but the rentals are still doing great. The rentals right. are doing good. But right. like I said, it's only been out there for a month. So of course I haven't made my money back. Not yeah. from Amazon Prime. Yeah. I do believe though, when that film reaches Tubi, I am confident that I will make my money back on that film in two months. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's great. I'm very confident that I will yeah. make that. Can you comment on the on the budget for that one? Yes. That one was 30. 30. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Different fluctuating budget yeah. levels. Well, but because that's I learned yeah. I learned a lot from keeping secrets. Yeah. That some of the stuff I can handle on my own yeah. and still get the same concept and, and, you know, tone it, you know, tone it down better. You know, it, it fractured is a better quality film than keeping secrets. But that's because each film I strive to do even better, even right. more, even that I was more comfortable, even though I worked on camera on my other films, that was the most comfortable I was on camera. I did, I did camera stunt work on camera for Fractured. And you can, from the shots and things, you can see that. <laughs> you can see those crazy shots. That's me yeah. on camera. Yeah, <laughs> doing nice. <laughs> falling in chairs and doing right. all types of stuff with the camera. I had a, a great time, a fun time. And that's also great. my team was more comfortable. I used the same team from Faded Reunion to Keeping Secrets to, to Fractured. So we're comfortable. And that's the thing, you know, when the team works together, that's all, everybody knows what to do. So it saved us time. Yeah. Yeah. Which saves so we money. we could do more things and it saved money. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, so yeah, let me just say, I, I really appreciate you sharing the numbers and being open about that. It's, you know, I know a lot of filmmakers don't want to share their budget levels or anything care. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some are happy to share it. And I, I'm just like, I, I, I respect opinions on all sides of that, but I love to hear those numbers because I love other filmmakers to hear those numbers because I love other filmmakers to be able to, you know, take real quantitative data and translate it into how they're going about their own films, you know? And I think, you know, just hearing your story, it's just a great lesson in each and every film, you know, making kind of enough to keep sustaining, making the next film. You've found a a kind of a, a nice sweet budget level, you know, that's sort of like several tens of thousands of dollars. You're not yeah. going in, you know, into great credit card debt or anything like that. You're just kind of sustaining a career, making these films 
at that budget level. And I think that's I great. I do credit card debt. We keep in secrets. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not saying you don't I mean, do it I, at all. I, but... use, I use the buddy from the other films, but like I said, because I increased the budget, it still was a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. shouldn't say it's credit card debt. I ran, I ran up a few of them, but not all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. And, but I mean, it sounds like you have good confidence that you're going to be able to pay off those debts and, and make oh, yeah, that money absolutely. back. And that's, you know, like rather than the yeah. kind of level of uncertainty that I think some filmmakers have when they do that, they have no idea whether they're going to be able to show success from it, but you've done it enough that you kind of know, you have a feel for what you can make back on these and, films and now. Here's so the thing. I could, yeah. have, I could have paid the credit card debt off, but I went ahead and filmed fraction instead. <laughs> I didn't go into any more debt because the yeah. money that I did make back from keeping secrets, I put it in a fraction. Nice. So nice. I did okay. not spend any more on the credit cards with the fraction. That's right, what right. I made instead yeah. of paying. I'm, I'm paying the credit cards, but I didn't pay them off. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Understood. <laughs> so do you ever think about trying to get uh, outside financing for your films or do you just continue to fund yourself and that's what you want to do? And... Well, I mean, I, I think about outside financing and I, I have had a lot of conversations with people, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when people start talking too much and wanting to take over and rights yeah. and stuff like that. And you know, one of the things about me I write, I direct, I produce. About Face Media is my production company. Yeah. So when you come in with your numbers, because I am used to paying, when you come in with your financing, and if the numbers are too small, whatever, I'm just kind of like, I'm good. Because I don't want to give yeah. anything away. Yeah. For, if it's not worth it, I'm in a great place that I can do that, though. Yep, yep. Yeah, you've, you've found a terrific model, I think, to, to continue yeah. to sustain this. So why shake things up? You know, why not yeah. just keep doing it? I think that makes total sense. So, yeah, I have walked away when when it doesn't sound right, when they when they want too much. You're telling me, yeah. oh, I'll give you fifty thousand dollars and I want 15 percent. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you have the money to film up over here so I can yep. keep that and yep. you can go on about your day. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Makes total sense. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's been a, a really interesting, fascinating story. I think you, you, your your strategy and how you go about filmmaking and kind of going from one to the next and pivoting and changing what you do and stuff like that is terrific. So appreciate all that. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Just want to give you a chance if there's anything I missing. Want, I just want to say this because I'm always about inspiring other filmmakers. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you have a dream learn how to do different jo- different roles and that will save you money and help you get to your dream and know that you have to market your film after film. You, you cannot just, hey guys, I want to make a film and you get money from people and those people that you got money from and they're not going to make their money back. You have to get on social media. You have to market and you can't be nasty. Stop right. being nasty in these film groups. Mm, to people. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, you know, they're at different phases of their film career. Everybody didn't learn how you learn. So be kind. Yeah. Those are great words. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I, you know, I share your concern for, for people who don't seem to be able to filter themselves and don't seem to be able to recognize the different levels of experience and knowledge that people that they're interfacing with in these groups have. And yeah, it's it's sad to see that happen sometimes. And sometimes it devolves into real bitter, shitty arguments about nothing. For no reason. No, for no reason. Right. (laughs) You know, like it just, and you know, to a certain extent, that's a reflection of the times we live in. Unfortunately, there's a yeah, back to the political stuff, but there's some political things in the air that are causing, you know, some some sense of decorum to go out the window here and there. And yeah. it's sad to see the effect that that has on 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 how people, you know, 
react to each other in a civil and respect respectful manner. You don't have to put anyone else down in order for your yeah. work to be successful. Totally. Right. Totally agree. <laughs> Where can people follow your work? Get in touch with you if they want to get in touch. Yeah. On Instagram, you can follow AF Media 1922 or you can follow the film Fractured Movie. All right. That's all for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That is the best way that you can help me grow the show and reach a wider audience of independent filmmakers and others who just want to try to understand this crazy, crazy world of independent film distribution. As always, feel free to contact me directly with any feedback or suggestions for the show. You can find me on Twitter, or should I say X, or Instagram at DarkRoseColin, or you can email me at Colin at DarkRosePictures.com. That's Colin with one L, C-O-L-I-N, at DarkRosePictures.com. And by the way, darkrosepictures.com is my website for my feature and other projects. Its purpose is not just to promote my films, but to tell the story with honesty and transparency of my own personal filmmaking journey. So if you want to follow the process of an independent filmmaker from development to distribution, this is a great way to do that. So check it out, darkrosepictures.com. Anyway, I want to thank Omega Keys for giving us this fascinating story of her distribution successes. As usual, I also want to thank Jeff Reimut for his thorough and timely editing work. I have so many great guests lined up for you in the coming weeks talking all things indie distribution. So please stay tuned. Keep getting those movies out there into the world. And thank you so much for listening. Listening.